This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I back. just want somebody to share my life with. And the only reason we control our breath is not to feel. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Lovers, welcome to another episode of Dates and Mates. You've heard me say that initial attraction and chemistry are not indicators of long-term compatibility and that true chemistry will build over time. Well, today we're talking about how to build that authentic connection in this fast-paced world with human connection specialist Zipporah Kingsbury. But first, we have some hot data-driven headlines to cover, including Bumble releases its list of the top 10 cities for singles, Did Your Hometown Make the Cut? And finally, science tells us why everyone seems to be oversharing on their first dates. Then in Dear Demona, I'll answer your questions, including... I know you said slow love, but how slow is too slow? And you've fallen for him, but he's not sure. He wants a family. Now what? Lovers, this is going to be a deep one. So let's dish. D's dating dish. Bumble has spoken and the East Coast reigns supreme. Apartmentlist.com examined Bumble data from 100 U.S. cities to determine the best cities for singles in 2021. And it's clear from looking at this data that the singles on the East Coast have it pretty good. What they looked at to determine the best cities for singles were dating satisfaction, social satisfaction, dating affordability, percentage of singles. And I know you're, you're dying to know which cities top the list. Number one was D.C., with almost half the city being single. D.C. scored high on dating satisfaction and also affordability, which I I travel to D.C. fairly often and I, I didn't get the memo on the affordability. A first date there cost about 100 bucks on average. And the other fun fact is if you're in D.C., I can match you for the Washington Post Date Lab, where I do a matchmaking column and write about the dates. So if you're in D.C., don't forget to uh, submit for Date Lab and let them know I sent you so I can be the one that gets to write your your piece. But don't worry if you're not in D.C. Some other East Coast cities also made the list. Coming in at number two was Boston. Now here, the average cost of a dinner and movie date was actually even higher. It was over 100 bucks, like $113. And yet the median earnings there are not proportionate to this increase. But 
The good thing about Bostonians is, according to the badges that they use on Bumble, they are looking for people with the same date intentions, and they love activity dates. But I think that's a great idea for anyone anywhere. Rounding out the top five, we had Atlanta, Minneapolis, and Pittsburgh. Also, they noted that college cities are the best place for singles. 50% of the best cities for singles were the same as in the best metros for college grads. Coming from a college town myself, East Lansing, Michigan, hello, Michigan State, (laughs) I could definitely vouch for that. But don't worry. If your city didn't make the list, my hometown of Los Angeles did not make the list. The important thing for you to keep in mind is that you can find love anywhere. So even knowing that the number of singles may be lower where you are, or knowing that maybe the gender balance is different where you are, or that the cost of dating is high, I like to take all that information and put it into your dating plan. So you just know how to use the tools effectively, where to go to save a little money on a date, and how to screen people effectively so that you're not going on the wrong dates and wasting a lot of time and money. Well, while you're on these dates, the New York Times now has revealed the reason why you or your date may be oversharing. So let's start with the definition of oversharing. That is exclusively talking about personal matters, neglecting the volley conversation back and forth with someone you meet for the first time. And we all know it can be awkward and even damaging. But the question is, why does this happen? And the New York Times definitely has the answers. They say, when your brain works overtime handling emotional strain, you might find yourself saying more about yourself than the other person wants to hear. And there actually was a study in the 2015 Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology on this. They said self-control depletion, which is also known as ego depletion, No, not that kind of ego, like the Freudian ego, you know. It happens when you expend your mental resources managing one behavior, and that leaves you with less willpower to monitor subsequent behaviors. So I know this is sounding kind of clinical, but I want to break it down to you on the date level. Basically, if you're stressed, you're overworked, you're exhausted, you're frustrated, you're scared, you're nervous, all of that is going to come out on the date in the form of verbal diarrhea and you will not be able to control yourself and you'll end up saying something that the article says could lead to remorse and compounded stress as you're thinking about, I I, I had a vulnerability hangover, I shared too much, I didn't connect with that other person. Those are all things that go through our mind at 4 a.m. when you come home from the date and you start replaying but don't worry. They also gave some tips on how you can increase self-control with practice. And practice is the operative word here. And this is why I coach people on dating, because I believe that dating is a set of learned skills. And this self-control and conversation technique is a learned skill that you have to practice to get better at. So check in with the amount that you're talking. This is what the New York Times says. Make sure you're asking questions of the other person. And according to the article, if you're spending more than like three or four minutes explaining something without a little bit of back and forth or check in with the other person, you may be going on too long and you may need to shift the conversation. And the other tip that they gave on preventing it was to be prepared with topics to talk about and some to avoid. 
Hello, this is why I say prepare for the date and write down those curiosity questions. Figure out what you want to know more about and figure out, you know, what stories you can tell that are always engaging, always get a great reaction. I don't want to give you too much of the juice because all that stuff is inside my dating coaching programs, but that's just a little taste and a little tip to prepare yourself for the date so that you don't overshare. Because when we go into that that heightened state of arousal or nervousness, that's when that's when we sort of lose that self-control. And if you do lose that self-control, according to the New York Times, you can do a few things to repair. You can apologize. You can just say, I don't know why I said that. That was crazy. I lighten the mood. You can change the subject yourself. Like, oh, well, enough about that. <laughs> it seems like you're not really into English Premier League soccer. Maybe I should talk about another subject. If you are caught in the whirlwind of somebody else's emotional overload, you can, according to this article, say you're not into the topic and excuse yourself. I thought that sounded kind of rude, if I'm being honest. I liked the other suggestions they had, though. Acknowledge that they are really passionate about their topic. Like, I can tell you really like Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, I don't know so much about that. And now let's change the subject or excuse myself (laughs) or uh, extend compassion, extend compassion to the other person. Maybe they have a deep reveal about something personal. Make sure that you take a moment to acknowledge what they've said instead of just running away. And this goes back to a concept I've been talking about all year, empathetic dating, really leading with compassion for the other person so that you can gain compassion from them for yourself or from your other dates as well. But remember that information needs to be earned. So before you go over sharing, make sure you're building that trust and check in with yourself before you reveal something and say, can I trust this person with this information? Oh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to be discussing more on emotional literacy with my guest, Zipporah Kingsbury, a human connection specialist who will show us how to make a mind-body connection in love in just a moment. And I'm telling you, what she shared with me had me all up in my feelings, and she's going to have you in your feelings too. So you're going to want to stick around for that. But in the meantime, if you haven't picked up your copy of the Profile Starter Kit on datesandmates.com, Go ahead and do yourself a favor. Our listener, RC, said to me that he downloaded the Profile Starter Kit and he said he had more matches on Hinge and Bumble in two weeks than he had in a year after implementing some of my suggestions in that Profile Starter Kit. So if you're not sure what you're doing with the online dating, you're not getting the results that you're looking for, check out datesandmates.com. The Profile Starter Kit is absolutely free. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. I am with Zipporah Kingsbury. She's a somatic intimacy specialist and author of Revolutionizing Intimacy, Navigating Connection in a Disconnected World. You've seen her work on The Bachelor, where she teaches her clients how to dig deep into their mind-body connection and use their body intelligence for love. Your body's smart. She's going to tell us all about how to tap into it and explain how your body seeks connection and how a technique 
called Breathwork can help you on your journey to find your soulmate. Please help me give big smooches to my guest, Zipporah Kingsbury. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to see where our conversation goes today. Well, I'm very excited too. And it could go any number of places because you've been a human connection specialist and and somatic intimacy trainer for a long time. And first of all, I think my audience is like, wait, what did Demona just say? Like, what is that, what does that even mean, Zipporah? What does that even mean? What do you do? <laughs> I get that all the time. They're like, why are you even using that word in front of intimacy? Um, You don't need it. But I use it because it's a different approach. I find, so you have therapy, right? We have talk therapy where we focus on how the mind is reacting to the environment. When we work somatically, we actually work with how the body is reacting to the environment or the situation. I mean, that's really in simple terms what's happening. So we're working with sensation. We're working with the language of your body. Mm. You're speaking my language, certainly. And I, I have learned through the work that that I've done, even outside of my practice as a dating and relationship coach, just how much we hold our history in our body. So it makes sense to me that acknowledging and releasing some of that stuff opens you up for love and greater intimacy. But talk me through how you do this with clients and for anyone that's a beginner in the somatic intimacy world. What are some things that they can do to start to just even become aware of what they're storing? Yeah, Um, it's so simple. It really is. And it's so challenging is to slow down. You know, when we can slow down enough to identify our physiological responses in the body, right? Heat, cold, tension, right? If I'm angry, if I'm feeling angry, what are the physiological responses? My chest is tight. My throat is tight. Often my temperature is rising. My breath is now locked up into my throat. And that's going to mean I'm not going to be able to make clear decisions because I'm in this fight or flight response, right? So we always want to go to the simple physiological responses. So slowing down just to feel that enough. Thank you for really articulating what that feels like. I'm sure a lot of our listeners right now can relate to that feeling of getting ready for a date and they're like, I'm really excited to meet this person. What if it doesn't work out? What if it's it's not what I expect? What if they're great and then they don't like me? And all of these things really do have a physiological response. Are there certain things beyond just, you know, stopping and acknowledging then what's what's happening, are there things that you can do to clear them so that, say, if somebody's going into a date with a new person, they can come in clear and open and vulnerable? Yeah. Well, breath, right? We, we spoke briefly about this before we went on here, is, is learning how to shift our breath patterns. And that's a big concept and big idea. But um, there's so many layers to it because we have, I'm going to get a little woo-woo here if I may. So we're gonna, Oh, you may. Yeah, you I, may. I may. All right. So we have, right, energy chi, right? That's one aspect of self. And then we have the emotional aspect. So energy chi, emotional, and then it goes to behavioral, right? How we respond before a date, how we act on a date. And then that behavioral impacts the relationship. So we have to go all the way back to the energy and the chi, which is where I use breath work. And so what are those stories stored inside your body that has you, wow, I'm scared what they're going to think, right? I'm scared of being judged. I'm scared of doing something wrong. 
and I'm going to jump around here a little bit besides breath work is be honest, like speak to the elephant in the room, right? So if you're on a date, right, and you're feeling nervous, don't pretend you're not, you know, I don't know about you, but it's so attractive hearing someone say, you know what, I'm really scared and nervous right now. I think that's so attractive. Yeah. And it really just brings that wall down between the two of you because they're probably feeling the same thing too. And like, you could even turn it into a compliment. Like, man, you are even prettier than I imagine you'd be in person. It's kind of making me nervous. And then once you've released that into the world, you can deal with what's really happening. But if you're trying to hold it in and you're trying to play cool and pretend, and she's trying to play cool and pretend, you can't really connect on a real level. I want to get into like vulnerability and intimacy and a lot of the other concepts that you talk about. And I know you you did some of this work also on The Bachelor, on season 19 of The Bachelor, which is awesome. It's awesome that like mainstream media is open to these sort of modalities. But I, I hear a lot of times from our listeners that, you know, I, I always say you got to be vulnerable and vulnerability is a new black and it's so sexy to just to just be open and vulnerable, but they don't know where the line is. They don't know how much to open up. Like what's what's vulnerability and what's like oversharing and emotional dumping? Oh, goodness. Right. It's it's so relative. It depends on who you're with and where you're at, because I am a wide. I'm so open. Like I have such an immense capacity for intimacy. And the question that comes back to me always is, is the person I'm talking to ready? Right. So, so that's a good you know, question for us to ask ourselves. I think that's the most important piece, but vulnerability to me is being authentic and authenticity is how we become closer to the people that we're with. So what are you most comfortable with? Yes, that's a good guidepost to kind of also check in. I find a lot of times we want to shortcut everything. We want to get past that awkward getting to know you phase. I, I want to get to the part where I can trust you. So if I just if I just share everything, then and you're still sitting here, then then I know, oh, I must be able to trust you. But I really find that it takes time to to figure out how you fit together with another person and to build that trust. And I've heard you talk about the the pacing of the world that we live in. And this is something I talk about a lot on Dates and Mates, that the, the pace of dating is the thing that I've seen change the most over the last 15 years, that it's just, it's so fast. It's so easy to make a connection. It's so easy to then get offline and get onto the date. And then Yet, when we skip all of those steps, we don't get the authentic connection that you talk about, right? Yeah, you know, we skip those steps. We're so in a rush to attach our needs to somebody else, make someone else responsible for for our life. Um, I go about relationships a little bit differently because I'm just like, do the work to be grounded in who you are. Don't go into that relationship in such a rush to fill a void inside of you, but just know who you are. Because if I'm going to be authentic and vulnerable, it's being authentic and vulnerable and not needing or expecting something from someone, someone else, which is a completely different idea. Like, do I trust them enough to be this open? Well, that's not the question I would ask myself. Do I trust myself enough to be this open? Right. So I go about it that I want to go into relationships without a need of what they're, how they're going to respond. 
Does that make sense? Like it's more on me because I feel safe and grounded in who I am. Right. And that regardless of the outcome, it's something that you feel safe sharing. Because I think that's that's a line for a lot of people where people have this vulnerability hangover where, oops, I said too much. Oh, my gosh. I just I just got a letter today where somebody said, oh, I may have messed this up because I, you know, I said too much or I was I pushed too hard in the early phase of dating. And I just feel like you can't you can't really mess it up. Right. But she was out of alignment with her own vulnerability, really. Yeah, potentially she crossed a boundary of her own, right? You know, we can push ourselves too far when we're not ready. Girl, I've been there. Right? Yeah, I have too. And it's like, oh, we feel this hesitation in our body, then we catch ourselves. But, you know, think of like the first or second date. I tend to think I would share the most about myself in those dates because why would I pretend? I saw one of your podcasts about this. It's like, why would I pretend who I am today and then two months down the road, all of a sudden, all this stuff comes out of who I am. And it's like, wait a minute, we just spent two months together. Where was that in the first month or the first date? Just put it out there. Be who you are, because don't you want somebody to be with you to really be with you? It's so much better that way. I can say from the other side. You you also mentioned like, hi, COVID. <laughs> We're in wave 75 of COVID-19. That, I think, brings up a lot of anxiety for people, being intimate again, stepping into that space when maybe they've had a break, maybe by choice or just based on circumstances that we're in for the last, you know, 18 months. How can people get comfortable with the idea of intimacy again? And is it, I mean, I know you're not... (laughs) You're not a public health uh, official, so you can't tell us exactly what steps to take to keep ourselves safe. But I imagine this, for me at least, this veil of like, is this going to be safe? It hangs over every choice that I'm making now. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it goes back to the deep inner work we're talking about. You know, it's it's to me, it's a complex conversation. It's not an easy answer. And um, I remember I had I had a lover come to visit me after the whole year of COVID. And and when he got there, I didn't recognize until he came over that my body was all armored. Right? It was just really tight and tense. And here he is just wanting to take care of me. And so giving that space, like we're here talking about just a lot acknowledging those pieces. So for me, it was bringing that awareness and then just giving it the space to slowly just calm down, right? Because there's so much internal dialogue with every, consciously or unconsciously with what's gone on with COVID, since COVID. We talked about how it's stored in the body, right? The, the memories of that. And so take a breath, pause, like you have the logistical, like, do you want the date to get a COVID test. Like I have friends who have created this whole structures around dating and getting a COVID test um, before. How long before do you want them to get a COVID test? Do you want them to be quarantined before they see you? You know, don't be scared to set these boundaries. Um, it's no different than having a conversation around an STI, which I'm hoping people do when they start dating. Um, you know, it's no different. Have these conversations and find out what your needs are and don't override them. Like trust your body, let it be safe for you. 
Yeah, you could get the SDI test at the same, you know, urgent care that you get the COVID test and just be, you're all set. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Carry your, yeah, carry your results, carry your Vax card. You're good. You're good. But, you know, we've said, we've said breathe a couple of times. I do want to get into this, this idea of breath work, because this may be a completely new concept for a lot of my listeners. I know it was a really new concept for me. I think I, I first did breath work maybe three years ago, I was doing a yoga-thon <laughs> and one of the teachers was was a somatic breathwork teacher. And I was like, this is going to be a huge waste of my time. I'm just telling you honestly how I felt. I'm going to lie on this mat and people next to me are going to be like convulsing and having all of these experiences. And I'm going to just be sitting here going, nothing is happening. I'm just sitting here breathing and I just want to leave. <laughs> Well, that's not what happened. That is, of course, not what happened. All of a sudden, like, I had a completely different sensation in my body. And I started, like, tingling and almost twitching everywhere. And the next thing I know, Zipporah, I was crying like a baby in the yoga studio, lying on my mat. I don't know even what I was releasing, but it felt so great to have that emotional experience without, like, I'm a big fan of talk therapy, but there obviously was something under there that hadn't been talked out. <laughs> was that a normal experience or should I go see somebody? <laughs> <laughs> no such thing as normal in breath work. But yeah, we hear that all the time. You know, we hear, why am I even crying? Right. I want to make sure we're being specific, Zipporah. Like when you say breathe, do you mean just literally <sighs> one breath? Do you mean like a box breath? Is there a sequence that we need to follow. Yeah. Yeah. So perfect. So I'm going to share a little bit about how I use breath work. So each one of us actually has a conditioned breath pattern. Our breath patterns are created based on our life stories, the pains, the traumas, everything we experience, whether you're a belly breather, a chest breather, your solar plexus is contracted, your breath pattern is creating your behavior. And so we can tell pretty much everything about somebody by watching the way they breathe. And so what we want to do to the best of our ability is bring the breath back to how it was when we were born, which is extremely open, effortless, like a wave. And so if someone was home and not working with a practitioner like myself, and they just want to know what the hell, how am I supposed to breathe? You know, the first step I would have them do is sit in a chair, their back supported, Put their hands like firmly, the palm of their hands on the lowest part of their belly, right where the pubic bone. I'm doing it now with you. Yeah, where the pubic bone meets the soft part of the belly. Um, Even close the eyes to help and start to direct your breath down to your lower belly. And I would say breathe it in through the mouth, not the nose. Ah, see, I was doing that yoga breath. Yeah, it's completely opposite from yoga breath because yoga breath, we're learning how to control our breath. This type of breath work is almost learning how to let go of control, right? Because a baby's breath is just naturally flowing like a circle, like a wave. It's not trying to control it. Wait, wait, just- wait, don't go on. We have to pause <laughs> what you just said. Did y'all hear that? You got to let go of the control. Like a lot of what we talk about is having dating strategy and getting control of feeling like your love life is in control. But for your love life to feel in control, 
you need to also be willing to let go of certain things and let go of needing to control it. So <sighs> that hit yeah. me. That hit me. Girl. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> catching that. That's huge because, because tr- it's backwards, but when we actually open up in this way and let go of control, your nerve, our nervous system starts to feel safer because we actually start to ground more into our body. The breath opens diaphragmatically, right? So the diaphragm sitting at the lower part of the rib cage, naturally, when we inhale, the diaphragm expands, but when we exhale without control, it just quickly shuts as quick as that you would snap a rubber bands. When it doesn't stop the, go that quickly, it's because we're controlling it. And the only reason we control our breath is to not to feel. The only reason we control our breath is not to feel. Uh, you got to unpack that. <laughs> I'm shook. You got to unpack yeah. that. <laughs> so think, think what happens when you feel pain, whether it's emotion or physical. I usually say stubbing a toe. Like we, we, right. We pull, everything pulls up like that hurt me, but everything pulls up to the chest. Everything constricts. The breath is held. So whenever something uncomfortable comes into our life, emotional or physical pain, we instinctually hold our breath in order not to feel it, to make it less painful. Oh, <laughs> so we should breathe through it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because what happens is, so that fight or flight response stays locked in our system because the way our minds judge the situation, bad danger, don't go near the body stays constricted. And then you have that done a thousand or more times in a lifetime. And now we're just one wound up knot. And that's our breath pattern. Y'all, you need to get up on this breath work situation because <laughs> there's so much to unpack. Like I could talk you through the dating strategy, but the breath work is a whole other paradigm. And I know every day you are shifting people through it and helping people work through it. And you even have a free gift, knowing another through knowing yourself. Tell us about what is in this free gift and chart. So one of the biggest challenges I find in my clients is you ask them, what are you feeling? And they go through about 10 minutes of a story and none of it has any feelings in it. It's the thoughts. It's the evaluation, of, right? You get it. You're smiling. <laughs> evaluation of the whole story. So I created these charts to help people actually communicate what they're truly feeling as in a feeling. I feel angry. I feel sad. And what they're needing. So they're beautiful wheels that just help people have deeper conversations because, right, we're going to have better outcomes if we can really express what we're feeling and needing. That is so true. And I think that's that's really the point on this whole conversation is is being able to first identify, like, what do you want? What do you feel? What do you need? And then to be able to express it so that we can actually get our needs met. I think we're speaking the same language. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing that wonderful free gift with us. We will put the link in the show notes and uh, I'll just keep Keep on breathing until the Keep next breathing. time. Keep <laughs> breathing. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you, Zipporah. Make sure you check out Zipporah's free gift for Dates and Mates listeners, Knowing Another Through Knowing Yourself. We'll put the link in the show notes. Next up, I got these burning questions for you. 
and I'll give you some burning answers. I don't know. Is that a thing? (laughs) We'll be talking about when it's time to say thank you next to someone who is dating other people and how long is enough time for him to decide if families are for him. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Here's what's on your mind this week. Dear Damona. Damona, help me. A listener, Mel, emailed this question to me. How do you know when it's time to move on? I've been seeing this guy for five months, and I really like him, but we don't see each other as much as I like, and I would like more, and he's still seeing other people. I know you said slow love, but is it time to move on and stop wasting your time? Listen, Mel. Five months is a long time. (laughs) And let me just clarify what I mean about slow love. Slow love really applies to the initial phase of building a relationship. So just because I know y'all like numbers and and milestone markers, I'm going to tell you that's really the first three months. Usually most of my clients within the first three-month window, they get to a point where they either say bye-bye or move into exclusivity. So now we're past this. We're almost twice as far past that window. And it's not so much the not seeing each other as much as you would like. It's more the still seeing other people part of this conversation that gets under my skin and should probably get under yours too. Because what he's doing here, he's breadcrumbing you, girl. He's giving you what you need to stay in the mix, but then he's doing whatever he wants to do in all that other time that he has over the last five months. So you have a goal of having a committed relationship, it sounds like from this email. I'm going to ask you to do something super brave. You're going to need to ask him to step up or step out. Don't think of this as an ultimatum. Think of this as you have an opening to fill. (laughs) You have an opening, you are the CEO of your relationship life, and you have an opening to fill, and you can't keep that opening open forever. You've been taking applications. He's a very promising candidate, but you're going to need to offer him the job officially and find out if he's going to take it, if you need to sweeten the bonus package, or if you need to find other applicants. And I know... I've been through this before, Mel. I know just how challenging that conversation is. I highly recommend, like we've been talking about really the whole show, scripting out this conversation. Really figure out what you need to say to this person to express how you feel. Start it with a vulnerable and personal share. And then you get that off your chest. This is not like what we were talking about at the top of the show. Like this is just a an overshare on a first date. You've been dating this guy for five months and he's been keeping you on the hook. So you deserve some clarity on where he's at, what his intentions are. And you deserve for him to be honest and authentic with you. Now, here's the hard part. That's not even the hard part, Mel because you've already figured out what you're going to say. And trust me, it will feel so relieving to get that feeling off your chest and be authentic with him. The hard part is that you're going to have to hush and listen and see what he really has to say. And really, 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 really listen. (laughs) Did I emphasize that enough? Really listen to what he has to say, because he will give you everything you need to know probably within the first two minutes of his response. And if you hear from him 
any kind of, I can't give you that, any kind of, well, I really just want to be doing what I'm going to be doing, then you have your answer. And clarity is so much worth so much more than getting the particular outcome that you want. Just having clarity and knowing where you stand and knowing if it's time for you to move on is so empowering. And maybe, just maybe, he needed things to be brought to a head and he needed you to say, I'm into this, but we're either a thing or we're not to be able to step up and to realize for himself that he's going to lose a really great thing if he doesn't step up and accept the very generous offer that is on the table for him. So be strong, be brave, but also be compassionate both to yourself and to him. And I know we have a lot of feelings that are wrapped up in these expectations. I went through a similar situation myself after a four-year situationship. So good on you if you're able to step up and speak your truth at the five-month mark. Because trust me, sister, you don't want to spend another three and a half years in limbo. This next question is a voicemail. I'll let you know how you can submit a voicemail at the end of the show. Hi, Demona. I'm a single mom, and I began dating um, an amazing guy about a month ago. And... um I feel so connected emotionally in a way that I, I haven't before. We we joke and say that we're basically the same person. <laughs> but my concern is that he is a super bachelor. Um, he is about my age, so late 30s. And um, he's, he's told me that he's not sure if he's ready for a family. Um, His family life was not the best growing up, and he said that just not anything he really envisioned for himself, um, kind of based on the experiences that he had growing up. So um, I don't want to get into a relationship with the expectation that my partner is going to change, but I also appreciate that this is sort of a new concept for him. Um, I'm okay with giving him a little time to think it through. And, and he is, he has expressed that he's open to the idea, but he's just not sure. My question is, how much time is appropriate to give him before I need an answer? We have a really, really good connection. There's a lot of wonderful things about this relationship, but I need someone who will not only accept, but love and care for my son. And I just don't know if I'm setting myself up for heartbreak. Thanks so much, Demona. Yes, yes, yes. You are a mom. And so, of course, the needs of your child come first. And you need to know that if you are bringing someone into your child's life, that they are someone that is going to be around for a while because your child is going to form an emotional attachment to that person in the best case scenario. And if that person isn't really sure how they feel about having a family, you do not want to risk your child being in a situation where they're going to be overlooked, mistreated, or cast aside for your relationship. Not that you're doing that, but just something to be aware of. Uh, You know, a great book actually to read if you haven't (laughs) 
yet is Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. She literally was in the same situation with a boyfriend. She already had a child, which she was a single mom by choice and had a child on her own. And then her boyfriend after quite some time was like, wait, I'm not really sure about this whole child thing. So this is different than like, I don't know if I want to have a child with you down the road. This is like, there's a child in the world that already exists. Can you step into this life or not? It's good to practice slow love and it's good to take your time in these huge decisions. But the acceptance of your child is really a deal breaker. That is, That should be your number one deal breaker. And that's really a primary filter for you. So I would say for the sake of your kid and for the sake of your heart and your emotional investment, you need to bring this one to a head pretty, pretty quick. Now, I do not necessarily believe just because somebody is a super bachelor and has never been in a serious relationship into his late 30s that like somehow he's damaged goods and he can never be ready. I did get a little yellow flag when you said that he had some challenges in his family life growing up that made me just think, I don't know, therapy, I don't know, better help might be good. I think it's great for anyone moving into a a relationship. I think it's first of all, I just think therapy is great for anyone, but particularly if you know that he may have some unresolved trauma, hurt, anxiety, disappointment, all of these very real, very intense feelings from his childhood that he may not want to repeat in stepping into a fatherhood role, then I would highly encourage him to see if he can talk to someone about that. But here's the thing. You cannot mince words here. You need to be really clear about what your expectations are And you can also share how deeply you feel connected to him, but this is your number one priority. This is your number one deal breaker, and you've got to know how open he is to stepping into a ready-made family. And I know it's heavy. It's heavy for the beginning, and he might be able to Like if he was not sure he wanted to have kids and you wanted to have more kids, that might be a situation that he could grow into understanding with some therapy over the long term. But your kid already exists. Your kid is in the world and your kid deserves a partner for you who is going to see and acknowledge them. You have a window of opening because you said he is open to the idea. So the question is just how open is that window and how much more can you expand it? Because that's the great thing I could say as a parent. When you become a parent, even if you're a step parent, your heart expands. Your love is infinite. And this is really an opportunity that you have for him to feel a completely different kind of love, to change his associations with what family means. If he didn't get a chance to do that as a kid, in the way that he hoped it would unfold for him. So you're really offering him a lot, but he has to want to take it. You got to put it on the table, be clear with what you're offering, and hopefully he will recognize the opportunity that's before him.
Oh, I hope you enjoyed episode 380 of Dates and Mates just as much as I enjoyed making it for you. I'd love to hear from you. I really love hearing your questions and helping you with any love dilemma, big or small, dating or relationship. Anything is on the table if you DM me at Damona Hoffman. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And hey, you can send me a voice memo on any of those platforms. Or like our listener just did, you can leave me a voicemail at 424-246-6255 anytime, day or night. 424-246-6255. I'm looking for a few good men and women for the Patreon Friends with Benefits. You can sign up for just five bucks a month and join me for a weekly live stream Q&A. And you're going to get all kinds of goodies, including my content club, plus additional behind the scenes videos and so much more. You can sign up there at patreon.com slash dates and mates. We'll be back next Tuesday with Lindsay Metzelar. She's the host of the hit podcast. We met at Acme. Until then, I wish you happy dating.